Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, actress Jennifer Edwards kicked off Sunday Night Football with this quote. A movie I was in as a little girl, kind of, how do I say this, got in the way of football. Hmm. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. All right, it's Tuesday night. We are ready. Let's go. NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you guys and gals, and I always have to say this. It's cool if you already know this stuff. I'm sure you do, all right? Uh, but there's somebody else that doesn't. That's the point of me doing this show. Uh, if you do know it, congratulations. Um, this show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. And so we're here to do three things, and that is enlighten, teach, and learn. It is the Behind the Mic podcast presented by Belly Up Sports and Belly Up Media, the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Uh, BellyUpSports.com. Go to that website. Check us out. Click on it. Check out all of our merch as well as the shows and especially this one. And we've got great writers. All right. You catch all those, show, those shows on Megaphone. That's our home base. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. So heading into the rundown. Week 10. It's already at the halfway point. We're over the halfway point. So what is your team doing right now? You know, now what? Well, this week, more rookie quarterbacks, uh, fourth quarter comebacks. That was the that was the whole, that's really was the storyline of the weekend. And you know, and as a football fan, the other thing, you watch long enough, how a game starts isn't the way the game will always end. Most of the time, ain't that right, Bills fans? Week 10, the rundown, Thursday night football, Panthers, Bears. Of course, you had the big trade in order to obtain the first-round pick in the draft. It was made by the Carolina Panthers. They traded away DJ Moore and a little bit more uh, with the rights, basically, for them to either draft C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. They selected Young, 1-7 uh, versus a 2-7 and team. Hasn't been good for either team as of yet, but Chicago owns that first-round pick for the Panthers because of that trade, and a win pretty much will 
increase their chances of picking of picking towards the top right well as for the game uh around here in nashville we used to call jeff fisher the former head coach of the tennessee titans field goal fisher because there was a point where they just were not scoring enough touchdowns right and you know he played for the bears he was on the 85 bears well when it came to the game the panthers took a 10-3 lead at half right they're going to halftime then the bears uh, slowly kicked their way back into the game and after a couple third down sacks man i honestly just watching the game i, I mean the panthers are just bad they're bad bad team bad team bad offensive line can't run the football uh and they can't keep their quarterback upright enough to you know throw it adam thielen is their biggest weapon bryce young was average the panthers can't run the ball yet there's hope seeing this graphic look you know you got number overall picks like matthew stafford jared goff joe burrow trevor lawrence and of course we got bryce young these are the records in this order that they started off with one and six oh and seven one five and one and one and six of course stafford has a super bowl ring jared goff has been to a super bowl joe burrow played against stafford in the super bowl and trevor lawrence has turned those jaguars into a playoff team hopefully they find a coach if it's not frank reich and hopefully they draft well well we'll see what happens panthers being one and eight bears y'all could be improving your roster real soon bears 16 panthers 13 sunday nfl frankfurt games last game frankfurt stadium colts patriots didn't know that that was the home of the frankfurter you know the hot dog yeah i call it a hot dog it's a frankfurter anyway best thing i saw all day was Gardner Minshew scrambling around trying to find a receiver in the midst of the entire stadium singing sweet caroline now offensively Okay, the New England Patriots, you know, they started things off. Looked like they was going to start off good. They go right down the field and it looks like they're going to score a touchdown. Nope, field goal. And then Indy, they proceed to live in Mac Jones's lap for the rest of the morning. Five sacks. And they have met, uh, may have been in his head when he threw that interception inside the five in the fourth quarter. He panicked. They had a chance to take the lead. Bill O'Brien wasn't too happy uh, during this game. They had a real heated clarification session. It was mostly O'Brien talking and <laughs> Mac Jones nodding. But uh, Belichick pulls Jones. Last drive of the game. Bailey Zappi time. One minute and some change left. He throws a pick himself on a fake spike. Ball game. Colts 10. Patriots 6. They need an offensive line and a quarterback. News late, Texans, Bengals. All right, so we had six games with game-winning field goals. Here we go. Bengals start the season one and three. They've won four straight games. That stopped on Sunday. Joe Burrow had a good day. Thought it was going to be another tight end heavy pass day, kind of like it was last uh, last week. But, uh, you know, T. Higgins was out. Jamar Chase had to soar back. Well, Chase and then Tyler Boyd, they did their thing. Over 100 yards apiece. Well, Burrow was sacked four times and he threw two interceptions. CJ Stroud, on the other hand, even though he turned the ball over three times and threw only his second interception of the season, he throws for 356, leads another comeback. Matt Amendola, who steps in and was signed because Kai Fairburn's uh, injured leg or whatnot, he kicks a 38 yard field goal and, uh, you know, beats the Bengals as time expired. Texans 30. 
Bengals 27. Saints, Vikings. Why does Josh, uh, Josh Dobbs look like he's played with the Vikings all year long? He's just good at picking up a playbook. We know he's a brainiac, an astrophysicist, or whatever he is. He's smart. He does just win some games. The guy, he's on his seventh team in seven years. He throws for 268, touchdown. Runs for 44 more yards, another touchdown. TJ Hawkinson eats 11 passes over, what, a buck 34. And that was that. Not a good day to be a New Orleans Saint. They came into the game with some, uh, with some issues. Michael Thomas had got arrested or whatever for battery, whatever it was. But then he turns around and he gets hurt, hurts his knee, leaves the game. Derek Carr, uh, not only his uh, throwing shoulder, but he suffers a concussion. Marshawn Lattimore, a severely sprained ankle. The latter two left the game on a cart. Not good. Jameis Winston steps in and does his thing, you know, outside of that beautiful touchdown pass to Chris Olave, who had a great catch. The offense was simply averaging. Winston throws two interceptions. Vikings 27, Saints 19. Packers, Steelers, how is it that Pittsburgh is 6-3 and three and they have been outgained in nine straight games. I don't understand it. I can't be too upset. They ran for over 200 yards, uh, which is more than enough to what they normally do. But Pittsburgh, I'm, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Listen to me. Listen to me. They are a paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck team. And I just came up with that. They do just enough every single week to barely get by. Every week has been the same. Kenny Pickett throws for about 100 yards. Uh, he might throw a touchdown pass. The running backs look average behind this offensive line, I, but I just trust Jalen Warren even more than Najee Harris, even though I know Harris is the more talented guy. George Pickens, he's literally going to explode on the field, like in a thousand pieces, because he's not getting the football. I, when I look at him, I think Stephon Diggs. Give me the football or I'm going to explode. But the defense is one of the best in the league, and that is really the reason why they continue to win some games. Green Bay, they're hurting. No more Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love has not played the way Matt LaFleur and the Packers have hoped for. And the truth is, is if Aaron Jones isn't great, the offense does not move. With that being said, Pittsburgh was a touchdown pass away from losing on Sunday. Jordan Love throws his second pick of the day as time was winding down. Steelers 23, Packers 19, Titans Bucks. Yeah, Derrick Henry did not home auto. He did not get off on Sunday. 11 carries, 24 yards. Will Levis looked more like a rookie. Not great. Two games in a row, he's thrown an interception with zero touchdown passes. I still like the kid better than uh, everything else that's on the shelf. Only points the Titans could produce were bookend field goals in the first and fourth quarters. Tampa Bay took advantage of the fact they were playing against a rookie quarterback defensively and Baker Mayfield offensively and Mike Evans took advantage of the Titans secondary. Two touchdown passes from Baker. Evans eats for 143 yards on six catches. Uh, Buccaneers 20, Titans 6. 49ers Jags wasn't a good day to play San Francisco. They lost three straight they got a week of rest, and they came in pissed off. The defense played upset on Sunday. They got four takeaways, five sacks on Trevor Lawrence, and uh, you know having Chase Young on your defensive line now helps. Uh, the Jaguars' offense, mm, just non-existent. Christian McCaffrey, the touchdown streak stops at 17, one short of the NFL record. Didn't matter. Brock Purdy is back because everybody else is back. 
three touchdown passes. Good job, 49ers 34, Jaguars three. Browns Ravens, woo, let me rub my hands together because I loved every minute of this. I'm never going to root for the Browns or the Ravens, but anytime it's them two playing, I want the Ravens to lose more because they are really the best team in the AFC North, period. I'm being, I'm being honest. So, third quarter, OBJ, he's strutting into the end zone, does his little touchdown dance. It's 24-9 Baltimore. Hmm. There's something about that Browns defense and the Ravens would only score seven more points the rest of the game. This was my favorite play of the game. Back-to-back plays. Defensive back Mike Ford put a hit on Lamar Jackson near the sideline that had the Ravens quarterback's feet in the air. All you saw was the bottom of Lamar's shoes. And look, you're a running quarterback. Get out of bounds, right? He got he got decleated. And of course, Ravens team, they all blowing up, upset, brouhaha, you know, ensues. But the next time, get out of bounds, all right? Next play, Ford picks Jackson off. Then you have a uh, he also had a pick six, you know, off of Lamar Jackson. Deshaun Watson, he was six of twenty in the second, uh, in the first half. Second half, it's like he couldn't miss. Uh, I said last week the Browns' offense looks different with him on the field. All right, he had an MRI on his ankle today, apparently, so he was still hurting on that last drive. He got hit, you know, between him scrambling. They got back into field goal range. Dustin Hopkins who missed a field goal earlier, nails a 41-yarder with two seconds left to go for the win. They Cleveland, Cleveland, not they, Cleveland trailed for 59 minutes and 20 seconds, the most time trailing in a regular season game since my son was born back in 1999. That's the third game this year that Ravens have blown a lead. Sounds a lot like what happened, I guess, was it last year or year before last? Doesn't matter. The Ravens seem to do that a lot. But they need to fix that. Browns 33, Ravens 31. Afternoon slate, Falcons, Cardinals, back and forth game. Kyler Murray had returned. The Falcons started Taylor Heineke. He gets hurt. Desmond Ritter comes in. Next thing I know, he's uh, running for a potential game-winning touchdown. Getting the fumble the ball this time. <laughs> but after a failed two-point conversion, Murray and the Cardinals offense went to work. Murray did not throw a touchdown pass. He ran for a touchdown, though, and a really big first down. And that knee looked just fine. Matt Prater nails a 20-yard knuckleball. Arizona gets their second win of the season. The Cardinals outscored Atlanta 13-9 in the second half. I mean, not great, but that's what you need to win games. The Falcons just couldn't put them away. Cardinals 25, Falcons 23. Lions, Chargers, a shootout in L.A. Not the violent kind. I thought the Lions were going to run away with this game at one point. Like, literally, the offense for the Chargers, they just turned on the juice. And not a lot of defense from anybody once the Chargers caught up. Neither team really played a lot of defense, but it was great to see David Montgomery back, Jameer Gibbs, both of them together, dangerous. 193 yards combined and three touchdowns. And you can't keep sleeping on Jared Goff if you are. Wake up. I'm Ross St. Brown. He's the truth with some cheese on it. And although Justin Herbert had one of his best games of the season throwing for four touchdowns, and I could have used that fantasy-wise last year, uh, Justin. Keenan Allen keeps lighting defenses up as well. They needed to have the ball last, and it just didn't happen. Fourth and two, a minute and change left to go. I'm asking the Lions, why are you going for it? Just kick the field goal. I think they knew how this game was going. It's like, ah, I came to my senses. Sam Laporta picks up the first down. 
They run the clock down. Riley Patterson, walk-off field goal with two seconds left. Ball game there. Lions 41, Chargers 38. The Lions have my have had my respect for a long time. They're legit. Giants, Cowboys, I mean, no. Cowboys fans, calm down. Uh, you're doing just like Miami. You're beating teams that are trash. You got to do better. Uh, but Tommy DeVito, who's the undrafted rookie, started for the Giants, replacing Daniel Jones, the one that's living with his parents and his mom makes his bed and cooks for him. He had a lot of people in attendance for that game in Dallas. Probably one you could have had them stay at home and save some gas. It was a beatdown of epic proportions. Can't say that I didn't see that one coming. By the end of that game, it looked like preseason. Backup city. And the Giants, I mean, not the Giants, but the wish it was the Giants, Giants fans do. Cowboys got their 12th straight home victory going all the way back to week two of last season. Dak Prescott was great. They had over 400 yards passing. C.D. Lamb set a record with, what, three straight games with double digits and catches, 10 or more catches and 150-plus yards receiving. I mean, it wasn't wasn't a game at all. <laughs> Cowboys 49, Giants 17. Commanders, Seahawks. If you missed the game, um, simply put, it was a field goal contest that Jason Myers, kicking for the Seahawks, ultimately won. Fourth quarter, it was a little bit different. Antonio Gibson catches a touchdown from Sam Howell. Tyler Lockett catches one from Geno Smith. And then a guy I never heard of, Deami Brown, scores his first NFL touchdown for the commander uh for the commanders and the game's tied up at 26 apiece myers <laughs> he was a nominee for the hemi award on monday night football didn't win it but he was five for five including the game-winning 43-yard field goal at the end of the game seahawks 29 commanders 26 sunday night football jets raiders the jets led nine to three in the second quarter and you got the feeling that if the raiders scored a touchdown at any point the jets were going to lose so many opportunities, though, for the Jets. Could never cash it in. Zach Wilson and that offense finally put a drive together, down four points, and guess what happened? He throws another ill-advised interception. And guess who picked it off? Yeah, Robert Spillane ended up with the football. They threw a Hail Mary at the end of the game. You know, I had no confidence that that was going to get completed, even though it looked like it hit uh, Garrett Wilson in the hands. Yeah, nah. And congrats to Josh Jacobs. Finally ran for 100 yards. The Jets' offense is just really rank. Raiders 16, Jets 12, to, uh, 12 on the 55th anniversary of the Heidi game. Monday Night Football, Broncos, Bills. All right. So I absolutely, who didn't, absolutely cringed watching this game. Four turnovers by the Buffalo Bills. James Cook. Fumbles on the first play. He fumbled on, on their last drive, too. Just happened to bounce back up into his hands. So, yeah, some games do end the way that they start. Josh Allen, he throws two picks. And between Allen and Cook, you know, who gets the credit for that fumble on the handoff in the third quarter? Russell Wilson and the Broncos, they put up 15 points. Lasted all the way through the third quarter. Beautiful touchdown catch uh, by Cortland Sutton. That was awesome. But because of Buffalo's running game, the Bills tied it up at 15 heading into the fourth quarter. Wilson throws a second touchdown pass with five minutes left to go. Only problem, it would be the two extra point opportunities that they missed. Would that cost them the game? Almost. If you missed it last night, Wilson had a desperation heed to Jerry Judy that, that was coming up short. And the Bills went an all-out blitz. And... 
as Judy's coming back for the ball, you know what happened. Turn Johnson, DB for Buffalo. No question, it was pass interference. He got there early. He didn't see the ball. Didn't turn around in enough time. So a couple of Russell Wilson kneel downs. Will Lutz misses his first attempt. And the Buffalo crowd is going nuts. But, oh, there's a flag. Buffalo screwed it up again. Too many men on the field. Retry, and then the sixth and final game, game is decided by a game-winning field goal. Lutz nails his 36-yarder. Broncos 24, Bills 22. Is somebody going to get fired after this game? That's what I kept thinking. And I was thinking the special teams guy. But they fired Ken Dorsey because the offensive players keep fumbling the ball and the star quarterback keeps throwing it to the wrong jersey. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Coming up next, man. Imagine this, you're watching that Monday night football game and right after Josh Allen runs for that touchdown that put them up by one point in the fourth quarter, it goes to commercial, but when it comes back, you're watching a little girl in pigtails. That happened 55 years ago and it changed NFL primetime broadcasting forever. So, Sunday Night Football featured the Jets at the Raiders. Perhaps one of the most infamous games in NFL history was the Heidi game. Okay, I've never seen the movie Heidi. I really don't know what it's really about. I didn't really know until I started kind of, you know, studying for this show. And this was a last minute thing too. Literally, after I see the actress, Jennifer Edwards, um, yeah, I, I did not know who she who she was, but I'm like, oh, okay. Didn't know about this movie. And I decided right then and there, you know what? I'm going to do that instead. And so I dove real deep into it uh, and as deep as I'm going to go, <laughs> to be honest with you, because, I mean, it's, it's man, it, it, was, it was very interesting if you don't know what the Heidi game was all about. If you want to know, I mean, at its base, there was a game that was at its end and it cut to a made-for-TV movie, and Jet fans, I'm sorry to remind you of that, they did not get to see the end of that game. Of course, those 68 Jet fans were made happier towards the end of the season, but that day, they were not happy. So I think it's basically about an orphan little girl who's living with her grandfather in the Swiss Alps. That's basically what I know. Okay, I didn't really go into the movie itself. All I know is it was a a, book, a movie back based on a book that everybody wanted to see, and like I said, it was uh, it, it was just something that 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 NBC. Let's just start with them. They learned to never do this again. <laughs> That's all I can tell you. So the Heidi game or the Heidi Bowl, what was it? You know. So basically, NBC made the decision to play that made-for-TV movie with just over a minute left to go in a three-point game. And there were a lot of factors in this, okay? I'll start here. So my daughter is a cheerleader on the varsity football team, which the season is over with. And the very first game of the season, the first quarter lasted literally um, <laughs> an hour and 15 minutes. Now, if you're at a football game, an hour and 15 minutes into the game, it should be about halftime. It was like 8.15 and we were just wrapping up the first quarter. 
So, and the question is why? Well, penalties. Penalties, all right? Now, Jennifer Edwards is, uh, is the daughter of Blake Edwards. The, he was the guy who was a famous director and producer. He made Breakfast at Tiffany's and the Pink Panther movies and Victor Victoria, etc. And this movie was directed by a, a guy by the name of Delbert, Delbert Mann, okay? So the thing was, this game was supposed to air between the Raiders and the Jets. They were hosting the Jets uh, and the game was kicking off at four, was supposed to be gone off the air by seven Eastern time. And games back then did not typically last three hours. You know, now they're more like three and a half, sometimes almost four hours, depending on the situation. But you have this situation where NBC was contractually obligated to air Heidi in its entirety, and it was supposed to start at seven o'clock on the nose, okay? Right on the dot. And the other thing you need to understand is that this was one of those movies that was going to be playing one time a year. I don't know how many people or how old you are, but there were movies or made for TV movies that were going to play that one time out of the year. And if you missed it that year, you didn't get a chance to see it until the next year. Okay. So again, this movie was directed by Delbert Mann and Mann basically pressed the point that the beginning of the movie could not be missed because that, and I'm going to quote, from my book, America's Game, the opening scenes contain key plot points. So if audiences join the film, even just a few minutes late, they would be lost. So they would not, <laughs> they wouldn't know what's going on. So you know how some of these uh, TV shows and things, they'll be playing the game and stuff will play now. But then when they switch over, even some games that start kind of like, um, or they overlap. They'll switch over and the game don't start. I mean, don't stop. It, it starts on time, no matter where you are. But as far as television, we'll get you over there once overtime is, is done with, right? Okay, so fast forward to Dick Klein. Dick Klein was the NBC supervisor of Broadcast Operation Control, or BOC. Now, according again to my book, America's Game, he was very nervous as he looked at the clock because the game at the time was running a little longer than usual. He was staring down the barrel, the possibility of switching away from the game and the Jets lead was three points, all right? You're gonna switch from a Jets game, Jets and Oakland game where Jets led by three points to a children's movie that will be played on the coast where the team has this three point lead. So on the East Coast, the Jets fans are going to miss this game if you switch it over. It is to be noted, this is according to Jeff Davis's book. He's the one who wrote the book Papa Bear that I've uh, referenced several times. He wrote this book, Roselle, the Czar of the NFL. NBC's president, Julian Goodman, emphasized that weekend that Heidi had to start on time. And this was reiterated by the sports producer, the executive sports producer at NBC, Don Connell. So you have contractual obligations. Back to my point about my daughter's football game that she cheered in. Again, the first quarter lasted an hour and 15 minutes. NBC had the exact same problem. They were sweating bullets because there's a point where those execs were kind of like, you know what, maybe we can hold off on Heidi and start it late. 
but they just just did not do those kind of things back then why did the jets and raiders game ride a little bit too long same thing 19 penalties not to mention 31 incomplete passes all of which stop the clock every time the ball hits the grass and then both teams at law uh used all of their timeouts as well and here's another thing important note timex the watch company they had paid seven hundred thousand dollars in 1968 to sponsor the movie so i guess you know where some of those commercials were playing <laughs> during that film it was november 17th 1968 uh the jets they're at oakland both teams come into this game seven and two and I think the Jets had won four straight. Oakland had won three straight. And this was played at Oakland Alameda City Coliseum. The Raiders were eight-point favorites going into this matchup. Now, by game's end, it, <laughs> Namath had torched the Raiders' defense for 381 yards and two touchdowns total. He ran for one and threw for another. Don Maynard caught that one touchdown pass, and he personally lit up the Raiders for 228 yards receiving on 10 catches. On the other side, the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica had thrown for over 300 yards and four touchdowns in this game. So the Raiders, if you want to know a little bit of the history, because the Raiders seem to be them against everybody. It wasn't just the Raiders in Kansas City, the Ra and, and the Raiders and, and the Steelers had, were yet to be rivals, okay? That hadn't even started yet. This is 1968. But they were rivals with the Jets, and I guess uh, they didn't like each other very much. They weren't in the same division, but they didn't like each other very much. The year before, um, <laughs> among other things, I mean, Joe Namath was named or what was spoken of as being a very, very tough quarterback okay the guy played through we know about the knee, the bad knees which is ultimately what kind of took him out even though he did play what 13 years in the league but the guy endured a lot of stuff uh he, it, with the raiders they're punching him in the groin uh he suffered a fractured cheekbone as a matter of fact in the 1967 game uh raiders defensive end ike lassiter actually was the one who broke Joe Namath's cheekbone, but he lied and said he uh, to the people after the game um, in a loss. He, uh, uh, Namath said, I, I, I was chewing on a bad steak and he, he got a, a bone, he chewed up on a bone or something like that. And, and that's what happened to his face. And like, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. But they, they were rough on Joe Namath. So during the game, there were 13 Jets penalties, uh, and one of which that it was a face mask call on Jim Hudson. He gets ejected because he got into it with one of the officials. He said one of the officials was cussing at him or whatever it was. And on his way out, he gives he gives the Raiders crowd the double bird, gives them the finger, and uh, he he's on out of there. Well, Fred Belichnikov he catches a 22-yard touchdown, and eventually the game is tied at 29 all in the fourth quarter. Don Maynard he caught a 50-yard touchdown. And then you had Jim Turner, who would kick a field goal. That field goal put the Jets up 32-29. to 29. Now, not long after that field goal by Turner, there was a TV timeout and a commercial. This happened right around 7 o'clock Eastern. Klein, who was sweating bullets, 
<laughs> had no choice but to pull the switch. Now, according to Bleacher Report article from 2008, okay, uh, <laughs> NBC television executives were trying to reach Klein to tell him to let the game finish. Remember, they were kind of waffling on this because this was a good game. Now, had it been a blowout, maybe people wouldn't have been as upset. You know what I mean? But this was a, a three-point game. They wanted to try to call him. Well, the problem was that the telephone switchboard literally had, you know, it, it basically had blown up. No, no one could reach him. And then he had actually, before around, I think, a quarter till seven, I read where he was actually trying to reach out to Connell to say, hey, you know, what do you want me to do? Because this game is winding down, but it's going to go a little bit longer than usual. But this is it's a close game. What do you want me to do? Uh, now, he was going off of his orders that this was something that he had to do. He was contractually obligated to play this movie. And in the end, truth be told, had he let the game stay on air, he would have been fired. But here's the thing. They couldn't reach each other. And so <laughs> NBC switchboard was getting blitzed at the time. This is the reason why the phone lines were so jacked. They were getting blitzed. <laughs> by callers from both sides you had those who wanted the game to stay on and those who wanted Heidi to start on time they're looking at their clocks just like anybody else there have been talks among NBC execs about what they would do you know if the game ran over and the plan was to stick to what they were contractually obligated to do but their minds had changed but Klein could not be reached so back to the game so this is what the people missed because they switched over. Uh, 7 o'clock, Heidi comes on because Dick Klein pulls the switch on the East Coast. And the Jets fans missed Daryl LaMonica and the Raiders driving. I think the first pull, well, uh, on first down, um, running back Charlie Smith uh, caught a 20-yard pass. And then I think they scored a touchdown on another play at one point but it was called back by penalty and they they, they got a 20 yard gain out of it um on this play that i'm talking about in particular but then remember that jim hudson had been ejected his replacement mike damato got beat by charlie smith on a 43 yard touchdown pass and so and of course the crowd is going nuts and the raiders take a 36 to 32 lead on the ensuing kickoff return, defensive back, but he's really a kick return specialist for the Jets. Earl Christie fumbled the football, you know, picking it up. He runs a couple of steps, gets hit, and he fumbles again. And a guy <laughs> by the name of Preston Riddlehuber, I'd never heard that name in my life until I started looking at this show. He picks the ball up for a two-yard two touchdown. Two touchdowns in nine seconds the jets ended up losing the game 43 to 32. yeah there were the raiders took a 11 point lead babe pirelli was now in at quarterback the game was over Jets simply handed the ball off to emerson boozer he fumbled the ball picked it up and then he was tackled by ben davis and time ran out that was it that was your final from oakland 43 to 32. now the aftermath is where it gets really 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 interesting so um, I think, you know, the Jets fans would have been mad no matter what. 
you know, our team just gave up a lead in nine seconds, you know, and not, not only that, you know, we missed the game itself. But what was the lesson learned is the question that I put down. Uh, after New York pretty much went crazy, along with other Jets fans on the East Coast, they missed the game. Uh, so during the movie, there was, a, I think it was 20 minutes into the movie. Look, I, it, it was called an insensitive moment. NBC was kind of messing up left and right with people. So and this one was more so the fans of the Heidi movie that could care less about football. So there's a, there's a, a point where... I, I don't even remember the girl's name. I had it. But she's in a wheelchair. and She's getting out of the wheelchair to make her first steps. And this is a really, really critical part of the movie that director Delbert Mann has said. Well, they run. That's when NBC runs the crawl across the bottom of the screen telling you that the Jets has just lost this football game 43 to 32. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So, I mean, you have that. Not only that, in the locker room, uh, or I don't know if it was in the locker room, where Weeb Eubanks' wife, the head coach of the New York Jets, calls her husband and says, congratulations on the win. And after, uh, you know, you know, cussing a little bit, saying, no, we didn't bleep and win this game. Let the bleep, 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 bleep. He hangs the phone up. Yeah. I even read with Johnny Sample. Who's the defensive back for the uh, for the Jets? His father picked him up at the airport and was congratulating him with the win. He didn't know that they lost. Uh, Jim Turner, who had kicked those field goals, and you know he says when they got off the plane back in New York, there was a lot of pissed off fans out there at that airport <laughs> that met them at the airport. And I guess it was twofold: we missed the game and the end of the game, and then the fact that y'all lost the game the way that you did. So, I mean, it was it was really, really crazy. Um, and then I know you probably, some of you historians or, or football fans have seen uh, NBC's David Brinkley on that black and white that said, and I'm quoting him, there were 10,000 phone calls of complaint to New York NBC alone. So many that the telephone switchboard blew out their fuses. NBC apologized for the error, but then... Oakland scored two touchdowns in the last minute and beat New York. The game is over, and the fans that missed it could not be consoled. And that's true. Even a headline in the New York Daily News, it said Jets 32, Raiders 29, Heidi 14. Fans called the news, the networks. They called the news player, papers. They even called the, the NYPD because they were just that upset about this game being missed. And, so, and I think it was just twofold. I really do. But how would it change in the future, though? So one of the first things they did, they in, uh, installed their own line of communications to talk to uh, a Mr. Klein who's having to make these decisions. A Dick Klein would no longer have um, the problem that he was faced with with taking calls or, or making calls to executives of those in power that would say yes or no to a broadcast. And so what they called it actually was the Heidi phone. It was installed to keep communications clear. And then the game itself 
<clears throat> NFL games would take priority over any other programming. Unless you have a national emergency or something like that, Heidi would have to wait until the game was concluded. Now, according to History.com, the NFL put a clause into a television contract that guaranteed that all games would be broadcasted completely in their home markets. And I have to put the word out there, almost. So NBC played Huckleberry Finn eight minutes late, later on that season. And guess who was involved in that game? The Oakland Raiders. It was in a close one against the San Diego Chargers. It ran a little, little bit long and it had playoff implications. So with that being said, you know, of course, six weeks later, the Raiders and the Jets would meet again this time in the AFL Championship. The Raiders took a lead late in that game. I think it was 23 to 20. Um, this is after a Joe Namath interception. Uh, but Broadway Joe, Don Maynard, they would connect on two big passes on their final drive. And the last one was the deciding touchdown. And with two minutes and 20 seconds left to go in that game, Daryl LaMonica and the Raiders, they were actually driving. Charlie Smith again was the intended receiver uh, the one that scored the game winner, but this time it was a backwards pass, and uh, I don't, Smith wasn't even looking. I, you know, watching the play, he wasn't even looking, and the uh, Jets defense picked it up, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. Ball game, Jets final, 27-23 over the Raiders, and they went on to Super Bowl three, and I think we know how that turned out. References, thanks to ESPN.com. ProFootballReference.com. Yeah, I'm done with my notes. BleacherReport.com. This one entitled Remembering History This Day 40 Years Ago, The Heidi Game, November 17, 2008. Also, History.com, This Day in History. TV viewers become outraged as football game is cut off to air Heidi. I'm going to have to watch that movie at least once. Anyway, a couple of books. Roselle, the czar of the NFL. Jeff Davis, great author. Also, my favorite, America's Game, the NFL at 100. Jerry Rice and Randy O. Williams co-wrote it. 75 Seasons, the story of the NFL. That's a TV movie from TNT. Love that one. And also, NFL Films, America's Game. And that was the story of the 1968 New York Jets. And finally, my eyes, ears, and brain. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast presented by Belly Up Sports and Belly Up Media. Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Check us out on bellyupsports.com and our home base of Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show or I will find your house. And too much noise. I'm out.